Well, good morning again. Man, it's good to see all the faces out there. I thought for sure with the snow this morning, we'd, uh, there'd be a few people staying home, but it looks like everybody made it out. And thanks for coming. That's awesome. You're probably out there going, hey, Matt, this is Ohio. A couple inches of snow. I mean, that's normal, right? We had 13 inches last week or whatever it was. That was crazy. Four hours of shoveling, but I'm um, glad everyone's here this morning. I, I love that we have the opportunity to um, share in communion this morning. It's, it, that is always a special time, and especially coming to worship together, singing out our hearts and praises to the Lord, just a, a wonderful time to do that. So um, if you have your Bibles today, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 2. We're going to be looking at four verses in Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Before we jump into that, if, if you're new here, if this is your first time here, you're joining us online for the first time, my name is Matt Halp. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View Church. I just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us this morning. We've been in a sermon series called Stand Your Ground. We looked in Mark how Jesus kind of launched his ministry, and we did a sermon series called Launch, and, and, and it takes kind of a transition here in his, where he begins calling his disciples to follow him, and, and he starts preaching and sharing, and he comes up against some challenges. And most of these challenges you're going to see are from the Pharisees and the scribes of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the, the Christian leaders of the time. They were the highly respected and revered religious leaders of the time. And these guys didn't like the message Jesus was bringing. You see, the Pharisees would teach the law. They taught the law. You had to obey these 300 and some laws that that had been passed down for generations. And and they they were hard on the people. They lorded over the people, these laws. And, and they, they walked around with a pompous uh, pride in the law that they, they would follow the law better, more perfectly than anyone. Uh, you, you probably have heard in the New Testament when Paul talks, he says he was a Pharisee of Pharisees and followed the law perfectly. So these are the kinds of guys that are coming up against Jesus. So, so Jesus is standing his ground, and we've seen that over the last couple of weeks. We're going to continue to look at that over the next few weeks as well. And we're going to see it today as Jesus calls Levi, or Matthew, uh, to follow him and be one of his disciples. This is a great story. I love this account in Jesus' ministry and life. Let's pray before we jump into God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, we pray that your truth would come through, that our hearts would be soft to receive that truth, and that we would be changed by it. We trust that your Holy Spirit will do a work as we surrender to you. Give us obedient hearts. Give us humble hearts. God, that uh, you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. When we talk about challenges against uh, Christianity, a lot of times I think about apologists. Uh, anybody else out there enjoy watching apologists? Apologists are guys, cool, there's a few of us. Uh, apologists are guys who defend the Christian faith. And apologists are becoming more and more prominent because the Christian faith is becoming more and more questioned and more and more attacked. And I was watching one of the apologists a, a few weeks back. I can't remember which one it was. Um, I think it was Give Me an Answer Guy. I, I think that's who it was. But anyways, he was on a college campus and he was asking questions and allowing the, the students and the people and professors there to ask him any question and, and challenge him on, on any front. And a young lady comes and... and doesn't ask a question at all. She just starts making accusations. I mean, 
things go from, you know, this friendly conversation to this attack. And, and she, she has a Bible in her hands and she starts pointing out these contradictions or things that she thought were contradictions due to her under, lack of understanding of the scriptures. And, and she's making accusations and pointing her finger and yelling at this guy. And as he's trying to respond, she's interrupting him. And, and just this, this really escalated angry um, argument that it turns into. And the apologist actually handles it fairly well. He, you know, brings things down and, and asks her for time to answer it. And she sort of, you know, kind of gives him a little bit of time. But, but anyways, we come up against a lot of, of these same kinds of attacks. And I think as our world continues to further and further itself from Christian based moral values, biblical values, more and more we're going to come up against those kinds of attacks. And, and Jesus, man, he, he models the perfect response to accusation. He models the perfect response to this criticism and, and argumentative thing that happens. And I just hope as we go through this today and, and over the next few weeks that, that, that we learn from what Jesus says. And we learn from what Jesus does as he he interacts with, with a hostile environment. So that's really what we're going to be seeing, and it's, it's going to be great. So follow with me, with, with, if you will, here in Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 13. It says, He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table... In his house. Now, you might want to underline that phrase right there. And as he reclined at table. That's, that's kind of an important little statement there. I know it doesn't seem like much, but we'll get into that. As he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? I'm sure they said it like this, though. Why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors? You know, and they're this prideful, kind of boastful voice. Okay, that was, that's my little. That's not in there. That's, that was me. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, now, last week, this is kind of fun to look at. Last week, Jesus kind of read their mail. He saw their hearts. He knew their thoughts. This supernatural, divine Jesus thing read their mail. This week, he overhears them, which is kind of cool. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Oh, man. I love that response. Isn't that good? Now, there's a couple cultural things happening here I want to point out, and I'll talk about them a little bit more. The first cultural thing that's going on is that recline at table piece. Now, this was not just some normal meal. A lot of times in the Jewish culture, in Jesus' time, recline at table was how they would seal an agreement or, or a contract. So if you, you know, think of it today as signing a contract that you, you do with someone you're doing work with or shaking the hand, you know, that was the, the official signing of the contract. Well, sharing a meal together after you've made an agreement would be kind of signing the contract in the culture. So this isn't just some meal. Uh, Jesus didn't just go to Matthew's house by happenstance. This was Levi, come follow me. 
And then they went and sealed that contract that Matthew was going to be following Jesus. Now, the other, the other thing I want to point out about that, too, is in the Synoptic Gospels, we see that um, this is the only one in Mark where Matthew is actually called Levi. And I've had, you know, other people you talk about the accusation and discrepancies in Scripture that people say against Christianity. Well, Mark says it's Levi, you know, and the other books say it's, it's Matthew. What is it? You know, there's contradictions all over the Bible. No. No, that's not what's happening there either. Levi is Matthew's Hebrew name, and Matthew is his, his uh, Greek name. You see, a lot of times in, in Jesus' time, they were under Roman rule, and a lot of Jewish people would take on a Greek name. And a lot of times, there was uh, guys would have four and up to six names that they would go by. So Matthew and Levi, same person. It's just his Hebrew name and his Greek name. So just a couple things I wanted to point out as we jump into this. The first kind of thing I want us to wrap our minds around, and it's the first filling in your notes, is this. How will you respond to God's call? How will you respond to God's call on your life, his purpose for you? The first thing we need to know is that Jesus has a purpose for you. Jesus has a calling on your life. As Christians, we really need to, to get to the roots of that, to let that sink into our hearts and our minds, that, that there's no happenstance in the kingdom of God. You're not here on accident. Jesus has called you. He knows your name. That before time began and before anything was created, he knew your name and he had good things set aside for you to do. That's what the scriptures say. God has called you. How will you respond to God's call? What we see here is Matthew didn't hesitate. I mean, he didn't, he didn't look to Jesus and be like, hey, it's tax time. I got a lot on my plate right now. Can you give me a couple weeks and let me think about it and, and we'll see. He doesn't say, you know, it's a, I have a busy life. You know, I need to pray about this. I need, I need to spend some time in prayer about this. No. No, when Jesus called Levi, he didn't hesitate. It says he rose up and went. He rose up and went. Now, you may be out there thinking, well, Jesus hasn't said anything to me, Matt. He hasn't really called me. Yes. Yes, he has. And yes, he is. God's word is full of what Jesus is calling us to. Love your neighbor. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Pray for those who hate you. Give to those in need. Visit those in prison. Care for the orphan and widow. Do not forgo the gathering of the saints. Go and make disciples. Use the gifts he's given you for the church. Render unto Caesar what to Caesar's and unto the Lord what is the Lord's. On and on and on and on we could go with what God has called all of us to and what he has given us as purpose in our lives. God calls all of us into relationship with him. And this relationship isn't an acquaintance. It isn't just that first introduction. God calls us into relationship with him for life. Now, after Jesus calls Matthew, Matthew follows him for the next three years, and Jesus is murdered on the cross. He rises from the dead three days later, 
appears to Matthew and many disciples, 500 eyewitness accounts of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then he ascends into heaven after he shares truth that was mind-blowing, I'm sure, with all who would listen. So after Jesus ascends and goes back to heaven, what do you think Matthew did? I'm sure he went right back to his tax booth, right? Wrong. Matthew went all over the world. One of the disciples that went all over to the very furthest parts of the known world at the time and eventually in his life was murdered in Ethiopia. You see, when Jesus calls us, when he calls us to what he has for us, his purpose for us, there is no going back. He's calling us into relationship with him at salvation, and then he's calling us daily into relationship with him in sanctification and change and growth. God has so many great things purposed for your life to extend his kingdom, to share his truth, to model the love and grace and compassion that Jesus has for you and for those around you who he is calling to himself. God is speaking. Are you listening? Are we listening? The question isn't God speaking. He is. He's spoken and he's speaking. The question is, are we listening? Are we willing? Are we willing to walk with him and make the sacrifices that we are called to make? The Christian life is full of difficult sacrifices. It's not all rainbows and unicorns when we come to Christ. There's difficulty, there's struggle. There's laying down our lives. We become we go from slaves to sin to slaves to Christ. We are called by God, saved from sin, but we're also saved to war. A spiritual battle. As soon as Christ comes into our lives and saves us from our sins and the things that we've done wrong, we are called to the front lines of a war that's been waging over all time. The enemy of our souls before the Lord right now accusing us is after us. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says that the battle that we fight isn't against flesh and blood, but of powers and principalities. There is a spiritual realm where angels and demons and Satan are fighting for the souls of people here on earth. God, when we're saved, we, we, can, we can get to this idea that we're just saved to this Christian life and doing good. And that's all fine, but there's more to it than that. There is a spiritual war raging, and we fight that war on our knees. In fact, the Bible says, Jesus says the battle's already won. The war's already won. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, the war was won. So we fight knowing the battle has already been won, but we still fight. We are still called into this relationship with Christ, into this war that is going on around us, into an amazing calling. When you were called by Christ, you were called into one of the greatest epics ever told, one of the greatest stories ever told. 
that creation, the creator of the universe, the creator of all things has called you into this plan of redemption, not just of your soul, but of the souls of those around you. And anyone God has given you influence with around your circle of people, your neighbors, your family members, your co-workers, the people that you interact with, there's a spiritual war going on for their souls. And God has called you into this war, into this battle, to call them out of darkness into light, to call them from sin to righteousness. And then in that, we trust that the Holy Spirit God will do what only he can do in their lives. How will you respond to God's call? That's a question we all have to ask ourselves. How are we responding to God's call each and every day? Jesus has called you, and that calling never ends. Isn't that good to know? Now, that's, that's good to know on a couple levels. It's good to know that he's not done with you yet, right? Like, like he is just as concerned about you as he was before you knew him. He is just, he is just as much there, he is just as much present today as he was when you met him that first day. So that's really good to know on that level. Here's how it's good on the other level. He is going to be with us in eternity. And that, my friends, is really really good news, that eternity awaits us, an eternity with our Savior God, where, think about it, no temptation, no sin, no sickness, perfect relationship with God. Man, that is good news. Jesus has called you, and that calling never ends, ever, ever. For all eternity, we are called into relationship with Jesus. Let's move on. Look at verses 15 again, 15 and 16. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? How could he do such a thing? Second fill is this. We are called to not just share the word but share our lives. Christian, we are called not just to share the word, but to share our lives. People don't, I've heard this said so many times, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We can say all the right things, memorize all the right scriptures, do all the daily Bible study prayer time, watch Bible videos on YouTube, come to church every week, be there every time the doors are open. But if it never leaks out into our daily lives and mission of reaching the lost, it's not what God intended. Relationship with Jesus, ongoing relationship with Jesus is meant to overflow out of our lives onto everyone that we come in contact with. You were meant to have spiritual conversations with people who don't know spiritual things. God has called you to be a light in the darkness, salt and light, the word says. And that's what we see Jesus doing. We are meant to share the truth. We're meant to do these things knowing that our actions speak just as loudly as the word does. 
Have you ever, have you ever seen someone that's, you know, talking the talk? Like, they can talk, they, they can, they can share, like, Scripture like it's nobody's business. I mean, they can quote Scripture, and it's not just New Testament. I mean, they, I mean they'll quote, like, Leviticus, right? I mean, you think they're, like, the real Christians, because they, I mean, and it's always King James, right? Because the, you know, super spiritual. And, I mean, they are there every Sunday. In fact, they show up an hour early and spend time in prayer before service. And then they come to service and they sit on this front row right here. And during worship, their hands are raised. It's more than a tap of the toe for them. Hands are raised and they're clapping and they're shouting. They're the first to stand and the last to sit. They're the first to show up. They're the last to leave. And on Monday morning on the job site, it's sailor mouth. It's cheating on their taxes. It's doing all these different things. Have you ever met somebody like that? You see them on Sunday mornings, and then you, you see them on the golf course, breaking their clubs, and throwing their putter, just going crazy. And you're like, hmm, hmm, something doesn't line up here. Now, I'm not saying that we don't make mistakes as Christians, right? We all make mistakes, and we will do foolish things and sinful things because we are sinners. But there, there is something that that is meant to change, right? Like we talk about sanctification as, as taking five steps forward this way and, and, and praise God that the Holy Spirit allows that. And then, you know, the old man will creep out or old woman will creep out and we'll take two steps back. And then, then the Lord does that work more and more and we grow closer to him and closer to him and it's 10 steps forward and, and then it's another two steps back. And, and over the years, we actually look back and we were way back there way back there, but by the power of the Holy Spirit changing us and growing us, we've made miles and miles. I mean, there has to be a part of our lives that change. You don't live in relationship with your creator and stay the same. Listen, God is calling us and changing us and growing us. If you're not growing and changing you need to look at who you're spending time with. Look at who you really believe in. Because I can probably tell you it's not Jesus. Honestly, it's probably not Jesus. It's something else. And you may raise your hands. And you may be the loudest singer. And you may be here an hour before service and an hour after. But if you're not seeing the practical changes that only God can do, you need to see who you're in relationship with. Now, like I said, those changes happen over years of time, right? And there's going to be times where we step back two steps, three steps. But there's going to be times where you take 10 steps forward. So we need, to, we need to take that look. Where was I five years ago in my Christian walk? Where was I seven years ago, two years ago? Am I further forward today? And then, then evaluate where we're spending our time, who we're spending our time with, what has our hearts, what has my worship. Jesus, the relationship with Christ, isn't an acquaintance relationship. It is a deep and life-changing relationship. And that relationship expands into the relationships we have with others. God has called Mission View to keep the mission in view. 
What that means is that God has called us outside of a building and he's called us to a people. Our vision is that we would reach 200,000 people with the love of Jesus and the gospel for his glory and for his kingdom. And we're not going to do that sitting here on Sunday mornings. We can only do that as we go, as we go and we make disciples. But this sharing our life thing, this, this kind of vulnerable sharing our, our life thing is intimidating. And there's two things I, I kind of want to bring to mind that may be holding us back from sharing our lives with our neighbors, coworkers, uh, to share the gospel. The first one is this, is that we have become so isolated. We've become so isolated. I'm not just talking about COVID either. Long before COVID was around, we started to live our lives out on social media platforms, websites, emails, and texts. And we can put any face on on Facebook. I mean, we got filters and we have special cameras and we have all these different things. And we can say and paint a picture on Instagram that's not accurate to life whatsoever. You know, the, the perfect life on Facebook or the perfect life on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it may be. It's not reality. It's not real life. We live in a land of loneliness, sharing our lives, reclining at table has become rare, uncomfortable, strange. But if we don't, how will we reach them? How will we live life and have relationship with them? Who's your Matthew? Who's your Levi? Jesus spent three years of his life teaching and training Matthew. Every day, every night, 24-7. There wasn't time off. Think about that. Twelve disciples, and he changed the world. Three years of developing and, and pouring out into them. Who are you discipling? Who are you pouring out into? We have been so isolated. Sharing our lives and, and reclining at table is so foreign to us, but God is calling us to it. And I know you're sitting out there and you're thinking, man, that just, mm, I don't know, man, that just sounds risky. And it is. It is risky. When is the last time you had someone over to your house for dinner? Just to, just to love them as Jesus would love on them, to share truth in a loving way, having someone over to your house in an evangelistic kind of way, just being normal, loving people. When's the last time you've done that? Jesus is showing us how to do it. He's showing, he's saying, don't just go and teach and, and share good words and, and, and talk to people about these good things that Christianity offers. Do the life, do the stuff, do the Bible stuff, do the Jesus stuff. Go to their house, have dinner with them. Invite them to your house, have dinner with them. Spend your life with them. See what happens. I've, I've told this story before, but it's probably worth sharing. I, I'd start, I'm going to go a different route, actually. I, there was this pastor I had talked to. I won't tell you where it was. But um, we were planting a church in a new area, um, an urban area, and... I was going around to all the different pastors in the area to tell them about our church plant, to share with them that we like partnering with other churches. And I went to this one church to meet this pastor. And as we were 
talking, I was talking about reaching the lost and different things, and, and he began to share about how um, the area they were in had declined so dramatically over the years, and drug dealers had moved in, and and other things, and he goes on to say, and I'm not joking when I say this, and he goes, how could we ever have relationship with such charlatans? I was like, what year is it? Do, charlatan? I mean, do, do we still use that word? I mean, I, I'm sure my face probably expressed what I was thinking, but I was in shock. I was thinking of this story, right? Like, like Jesus is meeting with Levi and a bunch of tax collectors, by the way, not just the one who responded to him and was going to follow him. It's all his buddies, all of his thieving traitors who tra- were traitors against the Jewish people and partnered with Rome and stole from their own people, by the way, right? These charlatans were having dinner with Jesus. I couldn't believe it. I was like, where? Am I in Ohio right now? Or am I, did I just get transported back to some weird, crazy time? Bizarro world, right? But, but people, there's, there is that. That exists. In a world where hundreds of thousands of people are destined for hell, separation from God, people created in his image, people he loves, He wants no one to perish. He loves them and he's called us to share our lives with them, to share the truth with them. Jesus has loved us enough to show us that kind of compassion. Will we share our lives with others? Now, the the second struggle we see or that I want us to actually talk about is the struggle for us to be in the world but not of the world. Here's the argument I get sometimes too is, I don't want to, I I can't spend a ton of time with people that are like dropping the F-bomb every word and they're watching, you know, like Shades of Grey or Game of Thrones or whatever it is. And they're talking about all this crazy stuff and it's, they're doing all this stuff. I I mean, I know we're supposed to be salt and light, Matt, but man, I don't want to hang out with, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to fall into that, you know, I'm, you know, avoiding that. And I get that. We need to know the temptations that are there. We need to know our struggles. We need to know where we need to guard our hearts in different things. But God is calling us to reach the lost. And you know what? You're going to get your hands dirty. You You don't meet with someone who doesn't know Jesus. And when they when they drop the F bomb, you just don't go, I'm sorry. I gotta go. I've gotta go. No. No, I this is I was um sharing the Lord with a, with a guy one time and um, drug dealer. I think I've probably shared this before, but hopefully maybe not this drug dealer and just, um, just sharing life with him. Rough. I mean, super rough, right? Like telling me stories where I was like, should I call the cops? Should I, you know, what do I do here? How, what do I, how do I balance this? And, um, a guy I used to work out with and everything. And, and I worked on him for probably about three years for him to come to church. I'm like, man, you got to hey, just come visit church. He's like, I'll either get struck by lightning or that building will burn down if I walk through the doors, you know. And he goes, you know what I'm into and all this other stuff. And, and you know, he'd make jokes. I'm always too high to come to church or I got deals I need to make and all this other stuff. They probably weren't jokes. But anyways, 
I remember I was up leading worship one Sunday morning, and I kid you not, he comes through the doors, and I was in shock. I wasn't leading worship. I was actually preaching that Sunday. And, um, and I'm like, oh, man, this is great. Three years. And, you know, you don't want to freak out, right? Like that person you've been working on and sharing the Lord with for like three years, they finally walk through the church doors. You're like, yes! You know, and I, but I, that's what I felt like on the inside. But as I'm preaching, I'm like, calm down. Calm down, share the gospel, share the truth, you know. And I, so we get done with church service and everything else. And I know he's going to bolt, right? So I get off the stage and I like make a beeline for the, the exit, right? Because I know I want to catch him before he leaves. No joke, I'm standing in the lobby of the church, right? Methodist church, you know. And um, he comes up and he goes, man, that was a great bleepity bleep speech. I was like, Thanks. That's great. You know, but what am I supposed to expect? He's never been to church before, ever. First time he'd ever been to church. And he was, he was like trying to be nice. He was and he, <laughs> trying to be nice. If we're going to reach the lost, there's going to be some messes we get into. I've said this before, and this is what we truly believe. You don't get your life cleaned up to come to Christ. You come to Christ to get your life cleaned up. And I'll be honest with you. I want more of those kind of people here at Mission View Church. It's okay for us to get offended a little bit if they don't talk like we do or act like we do. They won't because they don't have the Holy Spirit living in them, empowering like we do. We want to give them that opportunity. That's the whole purpose of Christianity and the relationship that God's called us into. Who are you reaching? Who has God brought into your life? Share that with them. We need to be in the world, but not of the world. When they say those coarse jokes, don't laugh. Don't condemn them for it. The Holy Spirit's not empowering them to righteousness yet. Live life with them. Develop that relationship. And I guarantee you, this has happened to me over and over again. Another guy I administered to for years said he'd never go to church, swore it off. His wife had a miscarriage. Guess who he came crying to and asking for prayer? Atheist, by the way. Me. I'm like, I thought, I thought this guy would never, ever acknowledge God or church or anything. Anytime I brought it up, he almost beat me up. His wife has a miscarriage. He comes to me crying, would you pray for me? I'm like, what? I baptized him and his son weeks after that. You don't know what God is doing behind the scenes in people's lives as you just live out life and share your life with them and get messy with them. Be in the world, not of the world. Share the truth of the gospel. Have compassion on the lost, knowing that there's an eternity at cost. That's what God's calling us to. And man, we're going to see it over and over again. That's what Jesus does. That's what he lives. He calls traitors and sinners. He goes to their houses, has dinner with them, and gets criticized for it. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. This was a common phrase to use back then. This was a one-off, kind of like things we would hear today over and over again, like some of the things I've shared already. I've heard something like this today that goes like this. Go with those who want to grow and bless the rest. You know, it's, a, it's that, that kind of saying. The third fill-in from that point is this, is that we have a mission. 
And Jesus uses that well-known proverb of the time to kind of get it across. Jesus then goes on to state once again his mission to call sinners to repentance. Do you remember as we started in Mark? That was Jesus' message when he was preaching. Or you hear about Mark talking about when Jesus was teaching and preaching. That's what he was sharing. Repent. Turn from your sin. The kingdom is at hand. Come to give your life. Trust in the Messiah. Jesus, give your life to Christ. The Pharisees would have never had anything to do with these kind of people. They wouldn't even acknowledge their existence. But Jesus was reclining at table with them. We live out the compassion of Jesus because we've experienced the compassion of Jesus. God has separated us so far. The mercies that he has poured out on us, grace upon grace. We as Christians look back at our lives and are in awe of what God has done in us. He has set us apart, made us holy and righteous by the blood of Christ. There's such a great separation from from who we used to be and who we are in him that it can create some kind of separation from who God has called us to reach. And Jesus is saying, Don't forego the compassion that you've been given. Don't let it sit and rot. Give it away. Give it away to everyone that you meet. And see, see what he does with it. We were all at one time sinners, traitors, liars, thieves, dead in our trespasses. But God, with his great compassion... And love came into our lives, extending that grace upon grace, mercy instead of judgment, and gave us new life in him. And he who knew no sin became sin so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. Not so that we can shun the world, but that we can show the world. That's what he's called us to That's why Jesus died on the cross. And that's why he's called us into ongoing, life-changing relationship with him. And when I think of that, I'm overwhelmed. And I'm undone. Because I don't deserve it. I don't deserve mercy. I deserve judgment. I don't deserve grace kindness or compassion. I didn't before I was saved and I don't now. There's nothing I could do to earn it. There's nothing I've done to merit it. It is this free, life-changing, amazing gift that God gives us in his son, Jesus Christ. Mission view. Keep the mission in view. Call your neighbors. Talk to your neighbors. Shuffle their driveway. Go over there and help them. 
and tell them that Jesus loves them. Tell tell them that you're praying for them. Be Jesus to them, just like Jesus was. As we look at the life of Jesus, we're not just reading the accounts. We're remembering our story of redemption. He is writing out our mission today. There's this TV show called um, The Chosen. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I can only watch like one or two episodes a night because I can't stop weeping. My wife could just like, you know, we'll get on net show, Netflix shows and just binge them. So we're used to doing that, you know, if there's a big snowstorm or we're sick or whatever. And she's like, let's watch The Chosen. And I like watch one episode and Jesus calls Matthew and I'm a puddle on the floor. I am wrecked. I emotionally cannot watch more than one or two episodes at a time. Because when I see Jesus, I know it's not really Jesus. It's an actor or whatever. I get it. But it's personal. It doesn't matter who he's calling. Mary Magdalene or Matthew or just preaching or whatever. It is personal. It is me. We can't ever lose that. We can never lose that. He has called you. He loves you. No matter what you've done, that's not based on performance, execution, or anything that you do. It is grace. It is mercy. It is the free gift of God and his son, Jesus Christ, for sinners who don't deserve it. That's what God's calling us to. It will change your life. He's given us a mission. Let's be a church that lives out the mission for the glory of God and the extension of his kingdom. It is, more, it is about more than me and you. It's about those who aren't here yet. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We pray that it would continually change us and grow us. God, that we would go out from here and be a compassionate people because we have seen and experienced the compassion of a Savior who loves us. Give us a job to do tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Saturday, that we live out the gospel, not just say the gospel, but live out the gospel for your glory and for your kingdom. We lay our lives at your feet in Jesus' name. Amen.